Amen. Yeah. Well, good morning, church. All right. I know um, we uh, changed everything up, as you know, today. Uh, when we talked about doing the Rodeo Sunday event that we do yearly, obviously we didn't do it last year because of COVID and that. We wanted to change the time of the service so that we can make everything flow together, except all you guys. We didn't, like, coordinate that aspect of it all that well, but here we are. There's some open seats over here if some people are looking for some places to sit, just in case you know, but you're welcome to stand wherever, sit on the floor, I don't care. Or just come to the altar now. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, obviously, this isn't a normal Sunday. I don't know what that looks like anyway, but this is a little bit more abnormal than usual just because we're doing a rodeo event. You know, I'm passionate about horses and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, not everybody is, and I get that. This isn't about Dave. This is about what God is teaching us. And, and when we let God, he can teach us through anything. That's obvious because I'm your pastor. You're welcome. All right. So, you know, I, I, um, I brought, ridden my horse in the monument over here on the east side um, of Saguaro National Park. And when I ride over there in the, in the uh, park, the trails that are over there, I oftentimes see uh, people from the guests that are at the Tank of Ready Guest Ranch. And so usually the, the, um, the majority of the guests that are at the Tank of Verde Guest Ranch come from Europe. And when they come, they want to experience the Western cowboy life. And so it, at the tech, this isn't a commercial, they're not paying me. I'm just letting you know something, all right? <laughs> so they come in and they, uh, they, they experience this. And so the funny thing is, is like, I know as soon as I see the group of them coming down the trail that that's where they're from, because everyone has brand new cowboy gear on. Nothing's dirty, nothing's used, it's brand new. Just like I have right now. <laughs> new hat, new shirt, new pants, new boots. Just like, so I look like a tourist, I just want you to know. <laughs> All right? But the reason I look like a tourist is because the other stuff, my wife said, you can't wear that to church. <laughs> <laughs> so... Some of my stuff's up here, and it's dirty, too, because it gets used, and we're going to talk about all this stuff. We did bring everybody into one service because, uh, as you probably know, over the last few weeks that I'm having a hard time stopping at the time we're supposed to be done with the service, and so today, there's no boundaries. <laughs> I already know you don't have reservations to make because we're making lunch. I also know that they can't unlock the grill right now, and they're trying to get that open so they can actually cook lunch. So we'll see what happens, right? Pastor Rick always did that, and so I said he either took the keys or he kept the combination with them, and he's up there laughing right now, watching everybody <laughs> run around trying to figure out what we're going to do right now to cook your hot dogs and all that stuff and the chili cook-off and things like this. So I want you to know that we do have some prizes for the bull riding competition, usually prior to... Uh, Rodeo Sunday, I'm talking smack and messing with y'all about the bull riding competition because in all the years we've done it, I've only lost like three times and I'm old and I ride left-handed to give everybody a chance. So this is the smack talk you've been missing, just so you know. Now, I've had a hernia for five years, still doesn't matter. And I ride left-handed to give you a chance. This is a challenge to all you guys that are 18 years and up. All right, and I'm uh, just going to say that I plan on taking that bull home today with me. I picked out the prize I wanted. Okay, now we haven't done it in three years, right? Because my wife was in the hospital for cancer surgery a few years back. We haven't done COVID 
took it out of us last year, so we're finally doing it again. So I just want you to know you do have an advantage because I'm an elderly man now. <clears throat> so you have a chance, I'm just saying, all right? So <laughs> we, <laughs> I've had to make up for the last few weeks there so because uh, I haven't been doing that. So we're done with that. You ready? Can we focus on what God's doing for us today as we deal with the change? So everybody had to deal with change. First off, um, some of our tech people didn't get their coffee. That was obvious by how slow the lyrics were changing while we were trying to sing. The, uh, the cafe was overwhelmed. I can't hear your excuses. All I'm saying is that I know you didn't get your coffee and you were way behind on the lyrics and I'm like, man, you know. It's okay, though. Shh, it's okay. Just sit there. All right. The, the only way we know that there's tech people is when they screw up, right? They're, they're a blessing to us all the time, except for maybe the lyric person today. <clears throat> so <laughs> do this, right? Uh, everybody had to change because we're doing it at 10. Not everybody paid attention that we were having one service at 10. Some people showed up for the 9.15 service. Some will show up for the 11 o'clock service shortly. <laughs> so to help you with these things, we have a, an app that's actually free that you can download that will give you notifications of things. You also can sign up for email, bulletins, etc., and know what's going on and when it's happening and all that. So we're done with all that. Let's do it. We have to change our usual routine. Some people will say, hey, I loved having the 10 o'clock service with everybody together. And some will say, it was terrible. Don't ever do it again. <laughs> right? Yeah. I've already had some people say, why are you wearing that hat? Make that thing dirty. Get something on it. It looks terrible. It's brand new. I already heard it. Why are you wearing your hair like that? Why aren't you growing it long? Why don't you cut it? Hey, this is life, right? Here we are. Let's put all that aside and listen to what God has to say to us today because as most of you know, uh, we do have horses, obviously. I'm talking about them, and we do. And uh, that has been a blessing in my life from God as I look at the, the gift that he's given to us, and it is a gift, and he has taught me so much through them. I am not like going to talk about just my horses. We're talking about something specific spiritually, but I'm going to flash a picture up there just so you see who they are and what I'm talking about as we, as we deal with it. Um, so in the top left corner, the most beautiful horse there is my buckskin, and uh, she is Spur, and she's nine years old. I've raised her since she was a baby. We purchased her uh, in utero, and God painted her perfect for me. My desire was always to have a buckskin with a dun stripe and no white, and there she is, just an amazing gift. And the bottom corner here is the Palomino. That's my wife's horse, which is Angel. She is um, <clears throat> coming seven, and uh, we've raised both of those since they were babies. Little uh, Rain over here is the uh, bay horse with the white on her forehead. That is Spurs' baby, and we just had her last March 1st. She's coming a year old, and uh, that has been a dream like amazing dream that God allowed us to have not only to raise our own since they were baby uh, we had to get them after they were wound from a Corderos ranch but this one here rain we've been able to have her born right there on her property take her through and I guess I'm done talking about that because they took it off the screen <coughs> there may be coffee in that pot over there I don't know <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah I wasn't done uh they're trying to get me to hurry up for lunch. They're, uh, there we go. 
So the bottom uh, corner there is a sorrel horse. She's got a, the white blaze on her face, and she is a wild Mustang that we adopted when she was six years old. And so she is, she was um, uh, from the Salt River, uh, Salt Creek. I always do that because we have Salt River here. Salt Creek Canyon area of Wyoming is where she was captured. And we adopted her and she is on the property as well. So I only wanted you to know these, these, these pictures as we go along because it's important that you know what I'm talking about as we go. So if you look at Ember, she was that side, that's the Mustang. Um, she was, you know, six years old, which is fully mature, fully developed. They complete their full physical stature, muscles, bone, everything that's there, they're complete at six. You know, you can do everything at four, but at six, they're fully mature. It takes a little bit longer for their brain uh, to mature as, you know, we know uh, ourselves as we go along in that journey. But I'm talking about these guys because throughout my life, I have no idea how. I was raised in the Detroit metro area. I would go out to my aunt and uncles who had horses out in the country. But there was something about horses that, like, just did something inside of me. Um, they're used for therapy. I'm sure it has something to do with some of my issues that I grew up with in me as a person. That when you're around them, there's something about that connection that you can make. Not everybody. I get it. But for me personally, when I was with them, I felt this, like, peace that came inside of me just a relaxing that I didn't experience anywhere else and so I had a tremendous passion for horses since I was a little kid and so as I developed in my life and God blessed my wife and I we ended up leasing a horse in Michigan I rode horses since I was a kid at my aunt's different places we had a horse we got lessons for our boys while we lived in the city in the Detroit metro area, we would drive out and do all that stuff. So there's a reason I'm sharing this. Because in my life, as I go along with what God has done, I want you to know personally that God has taught me more through horses than I've learned in all my seminary training, all the pastoral stuff that I'm doing, and everything that I have done. God has taught me more personally about my walk with him through horses than anything else. And so I want to share with you some things today that God has talked to me about that have changed my life, that have impacted our church. It's not, I mentioned these things throughout the years, talked about them specifically, but I want you to see it because as God has taught me, I have shared with you before that I did not fully understand the process of my life of being steps and stages of surrender, trust, and obedience in my life until I was dealing with my horses. And it was in that relationship with them and teaching them and bringing them through the things that they were dealing with that God began to teach me about surrender, trust, and obedience. It is biblical. I heard it. I didn't hear it in that order. I didn't hear it taught in those specifics, but it was lived out in my life, taught in scripture, and I saw it in real life as I dealt with these animals. And as I do, in that message of surrender, trust, and obedience, this is the absolute key to our relationship with God. As I look in Scripture, and I want to share this verse with you in Matthew that is here done by, by Jesus, of course, as he is talking to us. It's Matthew 16. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your way, Right? All right, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. So it's a complete change of who's in charge. 
He says this to us. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? You see, as we look at the scriptures right here, what we see in the context of what Jesus is saying is there is a call to us to surrender, trust, and obey everything that he says to us. No longer living life for me, my ways and my will, but hearing the call from Jesus to surrender my life, to trust him for each step of the way and obeying him from here on out. So when we're talking about these horses that we had, see, we, uh, we raised, as I mentioned, you know, uh, Spur, Angel, and Rain since they were babies. So when, when Spur was born nine years ago, I can't believe it's been that long ago, I told those guys, I bugged them. There's never been a customer at Rice Quarter Horse Ranch like this guy right here, I can tell you that right now. I put a deposit on her in utero in February. She was not born until April 4th. And I probably text them and called them every two days from that moment till then saying, I want to be there when she's born. I don't care what time it is. You call me. Let me know what's happening. I wasn't there. <laughs> she was born unexpectedly at about 3.30 in the morning. We were there by 5. Now, why would I tell you that? The reason I want to know is that the, the purpose of that was I wanted to be there to imprint her with me when she first came into the world. I wanted her to know me from the moment she began to breathe. This is mom. This is this guy. And I wanted her to have my scent, my touch, and know that I am part of her life as much as her mother. She was there for six months during the weaning process before we could bring her home. I would drive to Casa Grande 94 miles each way once to twice a week to go up to be with her out there and to the point where before I brought her home, all she would have to do is hear my motorcycle and she would run to the gate. For real. It's amazing. See, she knew I was coming. Now, as we talk about that, I want you to see that what we're talking about right there is imprinting. So what my desire was, was to imprint her life with me. What I wanted to do was not just be there, but there was purpose in my presence. I wanted to touch her I wanted to touch all of her body. I wanted her to get an experience that I would bring ropes with me and they would lay on her body. They would wrap on her. They would go around her legs. Everything that was happening had in purpose and intention. She was clueless. Please hear that. See, some of the things that are happening in our life we're clueless about, but God knows what he's doing. He's imprinting us. And so what was happening is that little girl was developing and she was like, this guy, I like him. Everything that he does is good. And so that scent, putting my hands in her mouth, in her ears, in her nostrils, touching every part of her body, because at some point in time in her life, she will have to be handled in that way. Now, nobody likes to be touched in places they don't want to be touched in. And usually we react in a negative way. We should. All right, but... See, the purpose of that was that someday you may have a problem and you need to have it dealt with and I don't want you to be afraid. So I'm going to do this to you so that you understand. Man, you know what? It's so teachable for me in my life because sometimes God's doing something in my life that I totally don't understand. It's not comfortable. It doesn't feel good. It seems unnatural. But he's like, I'm doing something. Trust me. Do you see the whole relationship with God as he talks to me and you is about our surrender, 
trust and obedience. And it's like, it's going to be okay. You can trust me. And so building on that relationship. So throughout their lives, the three quarter horses that are domestic horses, they've had that experience and encounter. They know what is going on, and those babies are excited about us. It's amazing. Well, Spur's kind of just excited about me, and she'll tolerate the rest of y'all, but it's okay. That's, that's the way I like her. Anyway, um, so in this process of being able to handle an imprinting and trying to understand their place in our relationship and the surrender that's required for them to go through life. However, as I mentioned, Ember was adopted as six-year-old. The only imprinting she had was, life's about me. She never interacted with humans, and she had no desire to be imprinted because now she was fully mature, fully grown, fully set in her ways, and she was in charge. Okay, so now we're dealing with a completely different type of a deal. Now, I want you to see this, that she was imprinted with self. It's all about me. So I want you to know that all horses are born with that, just like us humans. That's why it's critical for us to imprint them because they need to know it's not about you. And we're struggling with that today because we're all fighting with that inner self that thinks everything should revolve around me, that my life is what matters and you need to serve me. And this is exactly what was going on. So I want you to see this. When I talk about self, life being about her, her choices, when she wanted to do something, if she wanted to do something, she gave in to mostly just her flesh drives. And her flesh drives were this. She needed food and water, necessities. Therefore, I will find it. If I need shelter, I will go there. If I want to be comforted, I'll find my own comfort. And sex drove her, right? All the natural tendencies that are born inside, and therefore, however she desired to have those things play out, that's how it worked. No one told her what to do. All of a sudden, something happened in her life where she was no longer in control. Hmm. See, what people don't know, and what Ember didn't know where she was not created to live like she was living. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not a political statement or to offend anybody or anything else, but I want you to know there's no such thing as a wild horse in the United States of America. Those are domestic horses that went wild. They were never here. They weren't supposed to be wild. They were not created for that. God created them as an animal of servitude. They were created to serve me and you. That's why they were made, okay? But I want you to hear this. It's really important because you see, as we consider that and the fact that they were never wild, our culture has adopted them as a symbol of freedom, right? I mean, you see the Mustangs running in the wild and they do a pan-off picture from out here and it's like that, that symbol of American freedom, the Wild West, and no one in control with no fences and no boundaries, and so they give this illusion that there is happiness in that freedom. But I want you to know there is no happiness in that freedom. In that freedom, the only thing that's happening out there is survival by flesh and the desire to serve self with no purpose in life. They don't have one. 
The only thing those wild Mustangs know is survival and fleshly drives with no purpose. Now, only, now please hear this, only in a healthy relationship between human and horse can they find their exact purpose for why they were made in the first place. Only in a healthy relationship between human and horse can they fulfill their created purpose and know the true contentment of why they were made. Man, as we think about that, I hope that it sees something inside of us that begins to trigger the fact of the imprint and the self. Now we look in the scriptures, and I challenge you as parents, grandparents, godparents, whatever you may be to children, the illustration that I'm speaking about right now speaks truth in God's word. It is so critically important that kids are raised in a Bible-teaching church and that they are part of what is going on in God's house because the Word of God tells us, direct your children into the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Proverbs 22.6. See, what God's Word tells us is you need to imprint them because they are born with the sin nature, which is all about self, and we tell kids, like, I'm not going to force them. Like, you need to hear me right now, parent, grandparent right now. We're like, I don't want to force God on them. I don't want to force them into church. But we force English, math, science, history, and all the other stuff the world tells us to force on them. But we don't want to force God on them. We need to imprint them with the truth of who God is. And it doesn't matter what they like or don't like, is it? I mean, like, we got to teach them the truth regardless. Okay, so God warns us to imprint them when they're young because if you imprint them with the truth when they are young, it will be more natural. I didn't say it will be natural. It'll be more natural for them to understand the surrender that is necessary to serve Jesus Christ and to know what he is saying to us and how that works. Now, I do understand that some have been abused in the imprinting by the church. I'm not ignorant of that. I know that. I know there's been unhealthy imprinting that has taken place in some of our lives that we've been wrongly taught and wrongly and, and mistreated and abused even by the church. I get it. Okay. But friends, listen, that doesn't mean the whole relationship with God or what he says to us is damaged because somebody else screwed it up. What we need to do is come back into that place and let God begin to minister to the problems that we have in our life and we will be healed in that area and God can fully fill in the holes that have been made in our life. The reason why I wanted to raise a baby is I got sick of dealing with everybody else's problems. When you get a horse that's already been trained, there's holes in them. People didn't do the, all the stages that are necessary to get them fully healthy and fully aware of what's going on. So I told my wife, I'm like, I'm tired of having to figure out what's wrong, why it's wrong, and try and fix what's happening in an older horse because they get stubborn. Nobody here I know, but I'm just saying. <laughs> all right? So I was like, I want to have a baby so that I can raise it up. And if it has a problem, I created it and I'll know where it came from. You know? All right. So let's see something here as we're looking forward. So we want to look at the natural placement of a horse in the world, how God created them. We know this because as we look at the natural world that God has made, he's made some as predators and some as prey. And a horse is a prey animal. And you know this because their eyes are on the side of their head. 
So any prey animal has the eyes on the side of their head because they need to see to protect themselves and they need to run if they have to. Predators are in the front because we're all about pursuit, right? Okay, so here I am with the eyes in front of my head and there they are with them on the side. So now we're telling them, you're here to serve me and they're like, you're here to eat me. <laughs> so you see predators pursue and prey run. So the natural reaction for any prey animal is to retreat when a predator is present. So now put that into context and think about this now. What happens to us when we're still living in the flesh and sin is when God shows up, our first tendency oftentimes is to run. And many people are still running and they don't understand that if they would turn, face, and come, they will find their purpose. But as we look at the situation and realize that the self that is driving people is the thing that initiates the flight and we stop, God wants to do something about this trust thing that God wants to bring to us. How many of you were brought up in a Bible teaching church? Can you just raise your hand for a minute? Keep it up there. All right, I was pretty accurate in my thought process. It's less than half. I would guess probably a third to a little bit more. So the rest of y'all are messed up. <laughs> now, some of us that raised our hand were messed up too. Seriously. So that's why when we talk about our church, we say we're not a perfect church or perfect people. We're here because we know we need God's help. And he's provided that help through Jesus Christ, our Lord, because as we look at ourselves, we're like, oh, man, I'm so messed up here. I was messed up over here and all these things that have taken place. So now let's deal with where we are today. You can answer that. Go ahead. So, <laughs> so, those, <laughs> so those of us that were raised with a natural flesh drive as the thing that controlled and gave us decision-making powers, plans, desires. Those of us that were not raised in the church as, you know, that biblical imprint. So as we consider that in our mind and we think about that context, um, we can understand where we're at and why we struggle with some of the things we're struggling with today. Right? Okay. So I'm being serious, and I want us to see that. Like, I just lost my screen in the back, so we're just having the uh, amazing challenges of the day, which is awesome, so. I apologize for talking about you not having coffee. I do. <laughs> so, <laughs> if we take longer than we should, I want you to know it's their fault and not mine. So some of us were raised like the Mustang, and we allowed self to make the decisions of our life. Therefore, we have been enveloped in my own decisions, my plans, and the brokenness of my life, and we struggle when we come into the context of understanding that what is absolutely necessary is for me to surrender, trust, and obey in God and not in self, and that is the first surrender of ourself, right? That is the place that we have to come to where we recognize and see that I need help. Now, those of us who were raised in the church, we have the exact same drives as those who weren't. 
flesh, self, survival, my decisions, my will, my power, what I want to do. That's all there. It's still there, whether you were raised in church or not. The whole idea of the imprinting is to make it natural of a transition to surrender those to God. But when you're not raised with that understanding, it's complete foreign language to you. And when someone says, you have to give up your own way, Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. You got to die to self and you got to do what I say. It's like there's everything inside of us says, "Uh uh-uh. I need to survive out here. And I've recognized that I need to survive by my own self and that no one's going to allow me to survive on my own unless I take control. And so when God says, come to me, there's an invitation. Well, church, I want to do something here that um, maybe help us understand some things that are going on with this whole relationship. Let's, uh, let's go to Ember for a second. We'll use her as an as a, um, example for what we're going to do. Uh, some people will take a wild horse like that or any horse that's not been handled because some of the domestic horses are raised out in pasture and just brought in. And some of them will just rope them, pull them in, and force them to do what they want. Put a saddle on them first day, put a halter bit and everything, like everything going on, and they'll like have them run around bucking and kicking and all that stuff, and then they'll get on them and do the whole rodeo thing. And for many years, that was the normal procedure for having a horse, and they call that breaking. And I say it's breaking for a reason. It breaks their will and their surrender. And so what that is is a forced surrender that is absent of trust and is based in fear. And so those of us that don't want to force our kids into church are saying, like, that's, I don't want to do that to them. I don't want to break them, right? I get it. But at the same time, we also have to lead and have them understand that you can trust my decisions and my relationship with you, that this is necessary for your life, and we don't just, like, cram it down their throat. So I'm not telling you that every time before you get your food for dinner, you have to quote a memory verse to me, or you have to do this. Or, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about leading through trust, right? As parents and as grandparents, leading into trust. So knowing that the majority of us are like Ember, who did not have an imprint to understand a relationship with God is necessary for my life, but it is something or someone that's out there. The wild Mustangs know humans exist. Periodically, they have interactions with them, right? But the thing that they want to make sure is I've been out there and seen the wild Mustangs. They'll let you get so close. Like from me to the first person on the sea, I've actually gotten that close to some. You won't get any closer. Because you see, they know that they don't want you to touch them and they don't want you near them. Not all of them will let you do that, by the way. Just some will. And so as soon as you get to this place, they're exiting the scene. And they'll keep a buffer between them. So some of us are still doing that with God Right here in the church, we let God get so close to us and we want to be in his presence, but we don't trust him. We're not sure what he's going to do because when I hear a verse that says you have to lay down your life, take up your cross and follow me, it's like, wait a minute, that's like foreign language to me and I'm not dying to nobody. So we just stay at that distance from him and God is calling us to trust him to allow him to just touch our life. That's all. See, when we got Ember, she had had some bad experiences with humans. It's okay. It's just necessary, right? Because they drive them with helicopters in the air. She still looks when the military helicopters come over today, and she's 10 years old. 
but they drive them with the helicopters into a chute. They run them into a pen. They're going crazy because all of a sudden they're captured. Everything is fear. Everything's about flight. They're kicking each other. They're biting each other. They're like freaked out. What happens then is they run them into a chute. Uh, once they get to the facility, like when we went to get her, they drive her with a flag, like separating her from the herd and run her down a chute. They run her down and they put her in what's called a squeeze chute. So this thing is made. So like the, the gate drops in front and back of her. They push these things on her side. She can't move and they put a halter on her like this. I, you bring it with you. They put that halter on her and that one that they have with her has a 15 foot rope on it, okay? So the reason for that is is that if they didn't give you some way to get a hold of her, you'd never would. <laughs> Open that chute, she runs right into the trailer and you bring her home. There she is. All, every experience in her life was all about self, and all of a sudden she was out of control. She had no decision-making power or ability, and now she's trapped. In her mind, she sees me as the enemy because she's been trapped. So I told you before what she, the first initial reaction is. When you walk up to the pen, she walks to the furthest place away and faces away like you don't exist. That's their normal process, it is. Like you don't exist. I, if I can't see you, I don't have to acknowledge you're there and I don't have to deal with what I perceive you've done to me, okay? But she doesn't know. She has no clue that I'm there to give her life. But if she'll trust me, I have something for her that she was made for. But you see, some of her past experiences were abuse, neglect, survival, all those things that were happening to her. And now I'm inviting her into a relationship that she's never experienced in her life, and she's afraid of it. You see that fear thing we were just singing about? My, my fears disappear when I come into contact with God. So patiently, God's so patient, he's so amazing. Go out to that pen, put the food down on the ground and sit outside the fence, letting her come to it. Come on, it's okay. Talk to her, sing, pray, did my thing, just so that she would come up. She'd come up, grab it, and run away. Come up, grab it, and run away. And over a process of time, I'm not a professional horse person. Don't even think I am. I'm not, just so you have a clue. I do my own thing, understanding what I understand and God teaching me, so I'm not, there's probably a lot better ways to do it than I do it. Just telling you how I did it. Then I sat inside the pen, like you need to get closer. Here I am, I'm not gonna hurt you. And I sat down so I wasn't over her, but I was under her so she would see that I'm here to serve her. Then I put my hand out with the food there and make her touch me. I didn't reach out because as soon as you reach, flight, right? Isn't God awesome? He's just inviting us. You wanna follow me, come. Isn't that cool how God always says come? He doesn't like force us. He doesn't rope us and drag us in and say, nope, you're gonna serve me and you're gonna do it this way. No, he invites us. So as we do this, you see, God has developed this, this, what we've been talking about with you for a long time now is this surrender, trust, and obedience through the stages of life where God brings us to a place we have to surrender to, we have to obey him in it as we trust him and step into that arena. So what happens is God is maturing us into Christ's likeness, taking us from the self-driven life 
Sorry, I'll go over here because that's where the halter is. Coming from the self-driven life all the way into Christ's likeness, which is a life of servitude. God's inviting us into that relationship with him. And so each stage of our spiritual life requires a surrender, trust, and obedience. <laughs> God's so awesome. I love it. All right, so we're going we're gonna to end up running out of time before I'm done, so I'll hurry up, okay? But listen to this truth right here in God's word. Let's see the biblical foundation for this maturation process that we've been talking about. So we're talking about that surrender, trust, and obedience as we grow into Christ-likeness, out of self into him. Born again by the touch. And then we begin that journey of understanding fully what we were made for. So let's see it. Now these are the gifts. This is Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. Teaching us servitude, right? We need help in the nursery. Uh, and, and to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and the knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord. See that? We're being called as your pastor and those that are around you have been brought into your life to teach you and equip you so that you will be ending up right here. You don't live down there. Amen. All right, so let's move along. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. You hear that? That's God's word. That we all would grow up and measure up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Yeah, now you know why we make an altar call every single week. Right? Do I need to fill in the blank there? It's like, you're not Christ yet. Therefore, it's the surrender time. Let's move along. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Amen. That's right there in the word of God, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, man, that's God's word. See, what God's calling us into is that relationship, a call to mature from childhood into Christ's likeness with the purpose of being one who serves God. We all begin with the first touch. So, you know, I told you how we coaxed Ember in. The babies didn't have a choice. They're laying on the ground. I walk in and I'm touching them. I'm like, you have a plan for your life. And they don't even know what life is yet. They can't even stand on their own. They know nothing. So, you see, as we're imprinting them, I did the exact same thing with little Rain as we did with the Mustang as a baby. She got a halter without a lead rope. This one's attached, so I can't take it off. But I started off by putting a halter on her head. Now just run around with that and feel that. Like, I want you to know that's natural. And if I put it on you, it's a good thing. So she runs around and plays with her halter on. She doesn't even care. Then I attach a lead rope to it. You know why? Because, see, if I just walked up to her and hooked up this halter and this rope to her and started tugging her around, 
You see, the natural tendency for all of us is to flee, and so would she. So her natural tendency would be to run from that pressure. And then what I want her to understand and what God wants all of us to understand is when we start feeling that pressure, that's called the Holy Spirit, we need to come to him, not run from him. So how do we do that? Put that thing on it and just drop it. This is the exact rope that we would use. That's why it's so dirty. <laughs> so she's walking around now, dragging this rope under her feet. And pretty soon she steps on that rope and she's trying to go forward. <laughs> and she can't move and she doesn't know what is going on. And so at first she's doing one of these, like, <laughs> I'm trying to go. What does she have to do? Stop. Think what's happening. Some of us need to just stop and think for a second. <laughs> stop trying to do what you're doing right now. When you're running into a wall, there's a wall there, man. Stop. Then she backs up, and all of a sudden, she's free. Oh, so if I just ease off, I can move again. That makes sense. So after days of uh, back and go, Dave can just walk in and pick up that rope. And he just does this. Not even like, I'm not jerking. I just put that, that much pressure on it, just like this, and I walk, and she's like, where are we going? <laughs> Natural. You see that? That's what God's trying to do with us, church. He wants us to naturally surrender and trust and obey, to follow. When Jesus invited us into this relationship, he asked us to follow. That Holy Spirit pressure that you feel in your life is God trying to get you to follow. He's not trying to abuse you. He's trying to take you somewhere that you've never experienced before. And he wants you to know the fullness of your life. He's amazing. Well, it doesn't end there. We weren't just made to be following along and walking and like, that's great, take me somewhere else. The next thing that we do is I have this set up right here, which is a bridle with a bit. So, what, this is a D-ring snaffle, not that that matters to you, but it's important to understand that the reason why there's no chain underneath that normally goes under the chin is that I'm not trying to give her direction right now. I'm just letting her know something, that something needs to be in your mouth. Hello. <laughs> right over your tongue. <laughs> and you will learn through that pressure on the tongue how to surrender direction. Some of us fail right there. <laughs> so I don't try and give her direction at first. That's why there's no reins attached to this bridle. It's simply a bit. First off, you need to understand that something needs to be over your tongue so that you will eventually surrender to that pressure and actually understand that there's a purpose. Sorry, I can't even get that thing to work right. But okay, so here we are. So it's on, and I just let her run around with it. I don't leave her because I don't want her to get caught in the fence, but I let her walk around, run around, play, do her thing with it, and most of the time she's doing one of these, you know? Doesn't understand. There's this weird thing happening in my life. So sometimes when God's doing something in our life, it doesn't feel natural. It feels weird, but just trust him. See, what's happening is I, God is trying to get us to make things natural in our life that are not natural to the flesh, but they're necessary for our development and where God wants to take us. 
All right, so now she's got a bit in her mouth. The next thing I want to do, which I've already done this terrain, I've used this for everybody. This is what's actually called a bareback pad if you don't want to ride a saddle and you want to ride bareback, but you don't want to get dirty from the horse or sweaty. Just throw one of these on. This is an awesome little tool to help her understand something on her back. So I put this on. She starts to feel that cinch strap pulling on her, something on her back, super lightweight. She doesn't care. I just let her run around with it on her. She just stands there looking at me like, what are you doing now? Okay, but listen, I use that very same thing with Ember, and trust me, she was not like, hey, put that on me. <laughs> you know why? Because she's a prey animal. And she knows that this is her most vulnerable place. And there is no way she wants something on her back that she can't do anything about up there. So to surrender to that requires more time and patience. With little rain, I just walked up to her. I mean, literally, the very first day because of all the previous times with her. Just let her smell it. She's like sniffing it. Oh, that's cool. Rubbed on her head. Rub it down her neck, slipped it right up over her body, and she just stood there and looked back like, what's going on? <laughs> Grabbed that thing underneath and tighten it, and she was like, well, that's weird. What is going on with that? Now, Ember wasn't so much willing. Okay, I'm telling you that what it is is we're learning as God leads us to surrender, trust, and obey to things that are unnatural, uncomfortable, and we feel vulnerable in <laughs> God's so good, man. He's amazing. Now we have all that stuff going on, and it's just like we're already past all those. This is the maturation process. You follow me? She's not ready for me to jump on her back. She's not even a year old yet. But as I stand with her and pet her, I put my arm over her shoulders and I lay on her, just putting weight on her. Like, you feel that? One of these days, that's going to be me, girl. You better be ready. <laughs> <laughs> so God puts that pressure on us like something's coming. You know something's coming, right? But you can trust him. The next stage for her will happen in about six months, and this is a Cordura saddle, and I only have it for the purpose of it being lightweight. It's super light. As you can see, it's not leather, so it's not heavy. That's the first saddle she'll wear. Throw that on her. I'm not getting on that thing. I'm not, but I want her to feel that pressure, something different, something weird. Now it's not just something on her back. There's things that are flopping on her side. There's something tight. There's a little more weight. So it's like that whole surrender, trust, and obedience to another level. All right, we won't belabor it. The next stage that I have for her I'd introduce her. This is, again, another snaffle. This is town thumb snaffle, so it's a little bit different design, as you can see, and it has a crib chain underneath the chin. Uh, I just said that was a crib chain. It's a chin strap, whatever. My mind just went blank. Doesn't matter. The, the, the reins aren't attached yet, but I put this on her, and she feels this. Now, there's a reason why this thing is underneath her chin and that we can strap these things on because right now, she's going to be begin to learn that that thing's not just in her mouth to be in her mouth, but there's a purpose to it. And so when there's pressure on these reins, this and this work together, because if we just let her use her mouth how she wants, she'll end up going in her own direction. So what I'm teaching her with this is, you're not in charge and you're not leading, I am. 
So they don't automatically just say, oh, where do you want to go? <laughs> uh, call that plow reining at the beginning. I mean, that's what we call it. And so, like, when you put that on her at first, she's not just given, you know, a well-trained horse. You don't even have to put a rein on them. You can just touch them on their side, and they know. But at the beginning, what happens is we're going to pull that side. Like, I want you to go left. So I'm going to just pull your head over, kick you a little bit on the side, and touch this rein to the neck. I want you to know that a lot of us in the church, God's like, yanking that head over trying to touch us on the side and we're like but I'm going this way <laughs> surrender already why are you fighting why are you still pulling back thinking that you're in charge and you know better church the Holy Spirit has been convicting you about stuff over and over and over again and we're still fighting the bit God's clamping on the tongue he's pulling on the chain and he's pulling us over and he's like come on I'm trying to do something with you give up give up surrender trust me just obey stop fighting it's all about surrender we keep doing the same old things all right this saddle that I have last obviously is my working saddle this is the one I use all the time and it weighs like probably about 15 20 pounds more than that one when you slide that one on the back, all of a sudden, ooh, <laughs> that's definitely something different. It not only has a, a, a girth cinch right here, but it has a belly cinch that I have on it. So now we're feeling a little pressure in different places, but there's a reason. I know that as I use her and I'm taking her to do specific things that she's going to need this stuff, and this is the only thing that's going to carry me with her. So now another stage of surrender, trust, and obedience. You see this? It's at every level. We're going through the exact same process, understanding that I still need to surrender, trust, and obey. I can't complete my full purpose in my life until I'm there. I'm not saying I'm useless. I have a purpose, and I'm learning and growing, and I'm maturing, but I'm fully mature when I finally get it, that I am made to serve and something changes in this relationship right here. God is no longer in front of me, taking me where I feel completely protected. He's like, you're going to go where I send you, but I am with you. See, that's what this is all about. When I'm up on the saddle, her eyes are out there, her head's out there, and I'm still giving her direction, but she feels really vulnerable because no one's in front of her. The rest, all the other things that she's had in her life, I've always been up front. So she feels secure. Some of us stay in that security without surrendering in this final stage of God, wherever you send me, I will go. I trust you. See, I mean this in a good way when I say we have to have blind trust in where God is taking us. The first time we come up to a, like a drop-off and I'm saying, go. And she's like, I am doing that. I'm giving her a little pressure in her back end. I'm kicking her in the ribs. I'm spurring her on. Like, no, you're going to go, but I don't want to. That scares me. I mean, you know, desert horses don't see moving water, so riding in the wash after the snow melts or the monsoon rains, they're like, the ground is moving and I'm going to die. You know, <laughs> it's like, you're going to be safe. Don't worry. It's an inch deep. But see, they don't have the brain power to understand that they can trust me to go in that. Church, I want you to know that wherever God sends us, we can trust him. You're not going to go over. You're not going to collapse. You're not going to fail. He's got you. 
All right, so here's the thing about God, and we're going to finish this off right now. So this is what I love about God. He's amazing. When I took my horse to the water uh, the first time, and she was, like, freaked out, and actually my wife's horse just recently, I was doing that with her in the wash, and we're right there, and she's, like, prancing sideways, and she's a little skittish uh, anyway still. And, and so she's, like, doing the head, you know, she's got her head all bowed up. She's fully intent, and she's doing one of these. So I'm like, all right, I get it. I understand you. I want you to know God understands exactly who you are. And I get off. I pat her and say, just relax. Come on, follow me. And I walk right in the water. And then she'll follow. Because you see, there's that comfort level of understanding. And she's seeing me like, this is the way you can do this. And when she sees I'm right in front of her, she's way more confident. So she begins to walk right in the water. We walk through it. Bring her back. Come on, let's do it again. Now I'm getting on you. You're going. Same response. <gasps> I can't. She's already walked through it twice. For real. I mean, I'm not serious. And it's like, you can trust me. This time I'm not going to get off. This time I'm not going to lead her. Instead, I'm going to keep putting pressure on and keep spurring her until she does it. Where are you at in your walk with God? Where are you? Where are you? What is God talking to you? What is he leading you into? What is he asking you for? What are you fighting? Church, the whole thing that God is trying to get us to is the surrender, trust, and obedience. Whatever level of maturity you're at, whoever you are, if you're a Mustang and you're still wild, he's inviting you in for the first touch. If you've been saved and you've encountered him and he's placed you under his care, you can trust him. Ladies and gentlemen, there's this amazing invitation that God has extended to us. And he's invited us into this amazing relationship to experience the fullness of your life. I want to give you the last illustration today that I, it'll be the last because I just said so. <laughs> so each horse is gifted with certain abilities in what they do, right? So some are cutting horses, roping horses, cattle horses, ranch horses, whatever they may be, whatever, variety of things. All of us have a variety of gifts. That's why in the Word of God, it tells us that, you know, we get fully equipped so that we might fulfill the whole purpose of the body of Christ. Not everybody does the same thing. So as we're developing Ember in the arena, so we begin in the arena, of course, you know, because I'm not going to let her be out where she can get away from us. So we're in this big arena and getting on her and trying to teach her, you know, all these things. And so, um, I mean this in a good way, but she was like a dope and she was a plod. She was like this, like walking around in the arena and stubborn and she was just dragging herself around. And I'm like, wow, man, she's like a deadhead, you know, like what is wrong with her? I mean, seriously, I'm watching the whole thing and I'm like, she wasn't in her environment. I didn't get it. She's doing this. Finally, when she got like comfortable with someone in the saddle, but still dragging herself around the arena, I thought, this horse is going to be like a kid horse that drags her butt everywhere she goes, and you're going to constantly have to prod her to get her moving. One day, opened the gate and took her out. Everything changed. She knew she was free. It was an amazing thing. I'm seriously, I was dumbfounded when I watched this animal. Everything about her changed in her countenance, in her stature, and her walk. 
Angel can't even keep up with her walking outside of the arena. For real. She strides. She moves. When we took her out into the wash and into the woods, the first time riding around the arena on the outside, she was trying to fight to go out into the desert. She's like, that's my home. That's where I belong. That's my environment. I thrive there. Let's go. You know what's cool about God is he doesn't force us into a place where we don't feel natural. He leads us, guides us, has given us natural tendencies and gifts, and he'll place us exactly where we need to be to thrive. And now it's like, yeah, we don't even try and ride her in the arena. It's pointless. Just get on, get her saddle on, get her ready to go, and then take her out. She's ready to go. And she high steps it the whole time. She gets down on the wash. All she wants to do is just run, still trying to, you know, bring that whole maturity level up to her. But it's like that's where she was made. Now, church, I understand this. I mentioned kind of jokingly that we need help in in the nursery. We do. Some of you, please don't go volunteer for the nursery. We don't want you there. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) So, but we... (laughs) We do have gifts and abilities where we're supposed to serve God. Wherever that is, you have natural gifts and abilities that he wants to use you in. And he wants you to be in that environment with him and following his lead, his direction, his call, and his purpose for our life. I want you to know it's available for you, and you need to know what that is. God is faithful. He'll lead you right where you feel the best, serve the best, and are equipped to do it doesn't mean you'll like it every time but it's where you belong and it's the place you will find your true contentment because you will find the purpose of your existence it does not exist outside of your relationship with God hear that again your purpose does not exist outside of your relationship with God nope you only know your purpose in life when you're in that relationship with him and he's the one that's in charge That's why Jesus said, come and follow me. Lay down your life, surrender, take up your cross and follow me. He loves you. He's calling you into this relationship and he desires to be your God. Stand with me. The altar's open. If you need to come forward and pray, please do so. Please don't wait. not just here by chance God brought you and he called you he loves you Kim and I were walking down the driveway the other day looking around and we both were like wow God we are so blessed looking around and the love that floods our hearts when we look at those animals in our yard and things and I want you to know that God has that same passionate feeling about you (laughs) he loves you even if you're being stubborn right now he loves you he loves you he's inviting you to come to him you're not here by chance (laughs) father we love you we're so humbled by the fact that you would invite us into a relationship with you Forgive us for our stubbornness. Forgive it into the flesh. <sighs> Lead us, oh God. <laughs>
you want. God, truly, whatever you want. <laughs> we love you. God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.